0: listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and
1: relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Ware, who with my always lovely other half, Dr. Jess, surrounded by a table full of dongs.
2: Why are you laughing so hard?
1: Because I just said that we are surrounded by a massive table full of All sorts of sex toys, like ridiculous amounts.
2: Dongs on dongs on dongs, yeah. Dongs on dongs. I've been receiving massive shipments of sex toys over the last couple of weeks because of this new show I'm hosting with TSC and City TV in Canada. So it's a shopping channel type show. TSC doesn't stand for the shopping channel. It stands for Today's Shopping Choice, but that's a whole other thing. But anyhow, it's like the home shopping network in the States, but it's here in Canada and it's a sex toy show, and it's Friday nights at midnight, on. and it's interestingly not on TSC. It's on City TV, which is a regular uh, national network. So folks can definitely check it out, but these boxes of sex toys I've been receiving, they're massive. I can fit in these boxes. So I, my whole office, <laughs> the floor, the desk, the chairs, covered in... Sex toys from Love Honey, from Shots America, from Lilo, from Womanizer, from Romp, Arcwave, from We Vibe, from High on Love, and and then some. <laughs> and so there's kind of I feel like Ariel is that her name in The Little Mermaid where I'm like, look at this stuff, isn't it neat? I got dildos and anal plugs aplenty.
1: I like that. That's where your mind goes to a Disney film. Only ours is about dongs and butt plugs and lube and all sorts of sex toys. But she
2: says, how many wonders can one cavern hold? (laughs) Looking around here, you think, (laughs) sure, (laughs) she's got everything.
1: (laughs) The the lyrics here really jive with what you've got going on.
2: Right. She had who's its and what's its galore. She even had thingamabobs. I feel like there should be a sex toy called a thingamabob. Anyhow, I wasn't intending to plug my new show but do check it out city tv fridays at midnight and you can watch the replay at a very handy website tsc.ca intimately (laughs) you so maybe just check the link in my show notes and in my profile that'll be a lot easier but it's tsc.ca Anyhow, I'm excited because I'm surrounded by wands and Pleasure Air toys and a toy called The Greedy Girl from Love Honey, uh, as well as some finger vibes, some vibrating butt plugs, some anal training kits, uh, the ArcWave Ion. I've got, I got everything here. And here's the thing. I have to try them all because I don't want to sell toys that I haven't used. But at the same time, there are hundreds of toys in here right now, and I don't know where we're going to keep them. I need to find a storage solution, and I've seen other people... In my field, use like shoe racks to store or shoe bags sort of hanging on the back of their door to, s- to store their dildos, but I have too many. So we got to figure that out. But it is, it's an exciting environment around here, all good vibes. And I'm also really excited to remind you about a new partnership that I've recently formed or we've recently formed with fem And Fem2C is an audio only streaming service with short erotic stories and because my seduction style is audio you know I love this concept and all the stories are ethically produced they have a huge variety you have hundreds and hundreds to choose from and it is masturbation may as you know so fem to see is running a special they've dropped their prices and full access is 99 cents a month or 9.99 annually so listen if you want to explore your fantasies or learn more even about how fantasies develop because I think it's hard for many of us to tap into our fantasies I'm pretty sure Brandon only has one
1: Yeah, as somebody who is creatively challenged when it comes to coming up with new fantasies, I really do appreciate the fact that I can listen to these in advance and then incorporate them into perhaps some other new fantasies.
2: You mean the things I want to hear?
1: Yeah, pretty much.
2: Yeah, so you can use it with yourself or use it to teach your partner. A really good place to start. So even if you just want to kind of take some time out for yourself and escape reality, do check them out. Uh, You can check out some of the recordings for free as well at femtasy.com so like fantasy but fem, f-e-m-t-a-s-y.com and if you like them take advantage of their masturbation may offer and hopefully brandon will expand his fantasies beyond the one
1: yeah it's it's it it was real bad before i started listening <laughs>
2: well i'm not complaining it was fine there's this just this one fantasy that he likes to talk about and it's been years
1: Works for me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's a direct path. All right, let's dive into today's topic anal pleasure. We are going to be talking anal sex, douching, anal positions, prostatitis, anal training, toys, and much more with an anal surgeon. Dr. Evan Goldstein is an anal surgeon, sexual health and wellness expert, and the founder of. Bespoke Surgical, as well as Future Method, a science-based sex care brand. Thanks so much for joining us today, Doc.
0: Thank you so much for having me. All
2: right. I have to ask, what made you decide to become an anal surgeon? I'm thinking back to a Seinfeld license plate. Brandon, (laughs) do you remember that license plate?
1: I, I do I believe it was Ass Man oh, wasn't sorry. that wasn't that the wasn't that the episode where Jerry somebody wasn't it the Ass Man
2: I think it was their one of their fathers and I just remembered it right now when I said anal surgeon but you have a different story and I think a really meaningful one so tell us how you got into this field.
0: Yeah, you know, I was uh, actually kind of cloned to be more into the heart field, and I was doing heart surgery, actually matched at uh, a prestigious institution, and I hated it. And it was interesting because in my career, I finally came out. I came out late. I was married to a woman first. There was a lot of kind of me trying to figure out who the hell I was. And obviously, surgery itself is and still you know, was and still is a boys club. And so finally, when I was training, I said, you know, I'm not happy. I'm not me. I'm not. I want to be who I am. And I, I met Andy, my current partner of 15 years, and we were in napa and i was drinking and i saw the world and i said god you know i don't want to do this this is not right i don't want to be in this field and i remember walking away from it and i was walking down fifth avenue looking at all the museums and looking at all the happy people and i said how can i do something that is impactful how can i do something that is not death and dying because it just didn't bode with my personality and then also how do i give back to the community And then I really started to see that there was no access to appropriate sexual care, let alone kind of in the gay space. But this was back 10 years ago. Just nobody was talking about sex. Nobody was like, what happens if you get injured from sex? Who do you go to and who actually understands the intricacies of all of these different communities. And I started Googling, I started looking, and I realized that nobody's doing. And or if they're attempting to doing it, they don't understand specifically the gay community and all the ins and outs, literally, of sex. And that was kind of the birth of bespoke surgical. And, you know, they don't train you in sexual surgery. It's not even on their radar. And very early on in my career, I realized that doctors don't even talk about sex because I did a study that showed that 92% of even gay physicians will not talk about their client or their patient's sexual habits. And I said, well, it's never going to work for me. I need to actually go direct. And that was when I hired a publicist, PR firm. And I said, let's just start talking about all the issues as it relates to community-based sex and then Boom, all of a sudden it started to kind of evolve into this worldwide situation where people in so many amazing countries that are so advanced in technologies are actually flying to my office because nobody will actually fix them the way that they want. And so it really spawned to this crazy, amazing you know, world for me that I'm so thankful that even we're here today and you and I can kind of talk and spread the word.
2: Awesome. Now you, in addition to your practice, which is obviously highly specialized, you are also the founder of Future Method. And I actually received a box of Future Method, but I haven't got to open it because I just, just got it. So can you tell us about Future Method?
0: Yeah. So, you know, over the past seven years of seeing client after client, I see 75 people a week. I do about 15 surgeries a week. And when you see that much ass, you start To see the same (laughs) common ailments that happen over and over and I said well why is this and I break down sex into three different categories I say okay one is the before sex the how do I prepare for sex the other is kind of the during how am I actually playing and then obviously the aftercare with that being said, I started to look and see well, what products are there, or what products are people using to prepare, play, and care? And the reality is, is that none of them are scientifically found at all. And actually, specifically in the gay community, they're using a ton of water or enemas that actually strip the lining of your protective layer. So what happens, and and I honestly think that the HIV crisis and STDs are not actually from sex, it's from how people prepare for sex. It basically primes them so that there's so much irritation internally that now the sexual act transfers the bacteria or the virus, et cetera. And so our first product that we launched with was an appropriate anal cleansing solution, meaning it's pH balanced. It doesn't destroy the microbiome. It cleans you. It makes you feel sexy. It doesn't dry you out like water. It leaves a little barrier of protection so that when you place lube on there, it's now ready to rock and roll. And the key was anything that we ever do from a future method brand is always, bringing science into the product. How do we now think of sex differently? When you look at sex and sexual products, they haven't changed in years from a protective perspective. And 75% of gay men don't use condoms. So if people don't use condoms, well, what are we doing as a society to figure out other ways to minimize risk? And that was the birth of Future Method, which was like, wait a second, we have so many scientists, we have so many educators, we know the problem. How do we put everyone together into a solution-based practice? And that is future method and all the products that are out.
2: So the before care involves this cleansing. Is it an enema? Is it a douche? Is it something different than those two things?
0: Yeah. So let's clarify. So when people use an enema, an enema is really for constipation. So I haven't shit. I need to poop. I can't go. How do I get enough water into the bowels so that I'm able to move. So people that are using enema. Now, people definitely use enema solutions to douche. And that is very, very toxic. When you look at the spectrum of kind of douching substances, right? People use water, people use enemas. And some people, they use it in a bowl. They'll also use it in like what's called a shower shot. So it's a, a shower hose that's basically like a colonic and that's for really deep cleaning. And all of these, whether you're using water or you're using an enema, they're not in the range of the cell. So what happens is the cell comes in contact with that solution and then it destroys that cell. What we really need is we need a solution that's pH balanced, that's what's called isotonic, that hits the cell, it cleans the cell, but it doesn't irritate the cell. And so whether someone's douching with water or using an enema, over time you're causing this reaction to happen and i get society pressures i mean everybody wants to be clean you have you know the society pressures you have your own internal pressures and i bet you eight out of ten people don't need to clean themselves out if they're eating correctly diet is high in fiber or they're taking fiber supplementations and they're pooping in a regular routine realistically you don't need to douche and i tell people prove it use toys by yourself in a shower before you even douche and show yourself that like oh actually i'm super clean and the goal for me is less is more so yes i have a products company and yes i want you to buy products but the reality is is that if i can make you buy less product and i can make you more educated on the right way to use those products that to me is what we're trying to do at Future Method.
2: So, okay, that's really helpful. So, I'm curious about poop, and here's the thing: I talk about all these different things—threesomes, group sex, all these fun things—and <laughs> anal, no problem. But I hate talking about poop. Brandon knows. <laughs> My friends know it. My two best friends love to talk about poop. They're always begging me to come on the podcast and I think harass me to talk about poop. But let's talk about what is pooping regularly. So you said diet matters, obviously, a high fiber diet. How often should we be pooping? What should our poop look like? And I'm just going to sit back and sweat.
1: I remember there was one thing that I remember from my college years is that, and I am not a physician at all, nowhere close, but they said, if you poop, it should be the consistency of toothpaste. That's what I remember from college.
0: (laughs) Is this still true? (laughs) I, I, I think that the way I equate pooping is like a dog. If you ever see a dog poop, it's like actually really a nice thing. They like, you know, it comes out. They don't really need to wipe, right? It comes out easy. They're really not overtly pushing too much. They listen to their body. They're like, oh, this is the time I need to go poop. Great. Let me go outside and do it. And that's similar to how humans should be. Now, with that said, in Western diets, everything is really off. There's no right answer to this. I think that it's people understanding that we should listen to our bodies. You feel the urge to go to the bathroom, you should go. If it's not coming out, it's not forcing it. It's not pushing it. It's Drink a water, drink some juice, go for a walk. If you feel the urge again, do it again. And it shouldn't be anything other than a good yoga pose of like you know, really good deep breathing to relax the pelvic floor. The consistency should be soft but congeal. Uh, oh, she's sweating. She's really sweating already. <laughs> Shit. Uh. I don't like, and it should be easy, (laughs) and and it should be easy. But everybody has a different routine, and a lot of females they'll instead of it every day, that will be every other, every third day. It just kind of depends on your body. But the key is to try to keep the consistency that it's more kind of you know form, and it's more of like the less wiping. You know, I think there is a Seinfeld episode that the one wiper or the two wiper or the 20 wiper, where if you're doing one or two wipes and you feel and it's, and it's clean, that's a pretty good shit. If it's more <laughs> than that, then you have to start saying, OK, can I add fiber? Can I tweak things? How do I make things easier?
1: I feel like I was just given permission to now go into the bathroom, do 14 circles, squat and go. I feel like it's the dog poop thing. Are you going to call it. me?
2: Call me to pick it up though? I, I am. I'm <laughs> gonna,
1: I'd love I'd love for that. That'd be great.
2: I don't want to do that part. Okay. So you're talking about prepping for anal. Let's get into anal. I think some people are concerned about doing damage with anal, you know, stretching the muscles, but you explain otherwise in, in terms of what our body's natural state is that we don't really have to worry about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that the key is extremes, right? You know, the times that I see people have injuries, are yes, the run of the mill bottoming. It's usually like not preparing the right way or positions that are a little bit different. But a lot of it has to do more with consistent toys or really big, big, big in terms of fists and moving beyond the normal state of how an ass functions, right? If you think of -of run-of-the-mill anal sex, 99.9% of the day, we are completely contracted. The ass and all of its muscles are closed. Now, also, many of us are doing a lot more with exercising, with Peloton, et cetera, where it's even compounded even more than that. And I tell people, if you go to a trainer, if he's doing biceps one day, he's actually doing triceps the other. Why? Well, he wants to stretch the bicep. And it's the same concept anally. When you are contracted so much, actually, it's very beneficial to learn how to relax the pelvic floor. And doing that with anal, with toys, with kind of dilating allows for us to really learn a better mechanism of fully opening when we need to, i.e. sex and pooping, but also now really feeling contracted and pulling in. Now, anal, I usually tell people, you can't go from nothing to something big right away. It just That's just not how it works. I think the key with anal is to understand completely your anatomy. It's not very complicated. There's skin and there's muscle, that's it. And there's three sets of muscles. Two of them, you and I contract, meaning if you and I just squeeze our asshole right now, what you're squeezing is two out of the three muscles. That third muscle is one that you and I don't have much control over. And so a lot of people will tell me I'm trying to get in and I can't fully relax. I'm trying to get in and it won't fully open. That's usually that third muscle that all day is in a contracted state. And what we're trying to do is learn how to kind of release that so that now you can do things. And I tell people start with an, uh, an anal training kit we write a lot about different toys that we like specifically that fit the scientific bill and that's on our website bespoke surgical if you click on shop it'll have all the different reasons why i choose certain toys now dilating should be actually over six weeks so it's really time two to three times a week what you'll do is you'll go in You'll, you know, just like going to the gym, give me two sets of 12. Doesn't need to be sexual. You could do it in the shower. You could bring, obviously, your partners involved, et cetera. Just understanding how do I really learn the entire muscle mechanism to start to really get where we want to. And and you need to think of how do we get the skin to fully relax? How do we get the muscle to relax behind it? And also not only get it relaxed, but get everything strong enough to sustain the pressures of sex. The pressures of sex are that much greater than pooping. So the mechanism of all of this isn't always there. So the key is how do we now use these toys and understand anatomy in a very gradual way to strengthen the skin, allow the muscle to relax, and then for you to really be more attuned with the anatomy in that region.
2: I really appreciate that you're talking about this over a period of time, because sometimes I'll do that. There's these huge trade shows in Canada called the everything to do with sex show and the taboo show. And I do these 20 minute lightning talks. And of course, like one of the big ones is anal and all of them show up, especially straight couples. The guys show up thinking they're going to learn how to have anal tonight. And I'm going to teach them. And and I, you know, there are a couple of things. One, I tell them that it takes time. Number two, you want to try it on yourself first, right? I'd rather put my pinky finger at myself first than somebody's penis. But the third one, I don't know if you'll agree with me on this, is that you should not be putting something in someone else's butt unless you've also put something in your own butt, (laughs) right? Like it doesn't have to be the same thing, but to be totally unfamiliar and think that you can't possibly put something up your own butt, but you can shove your penis or a strap-on up somebody else's seems absurd. You don't have to love it. You don't have to do it all the time, but at least to become familiar with those muscles. And I have a question about the muscles. You said there are three muscles. Can you tell us what those are? Are they all sphincters? what are they called?
0: Yeah, so the sphincters are. There's two superficial. One is called superficial and external anal sphincter, and then the other is an internal sphincter. And there's definitely more muscles, but these are the three that are the limiting factor from an anal perspective. And they're all circular. The internal sphincter is pretty thick. So, like when I I do a lot of Botox work with muscles to relax the muscle, and we're giving about a hundred units. So. A hundred units is a lot. Think about like when people are doing facial, they're doing like four units per little quadrant. And anally the muscle is that thick that in order for you to paralyze that muscle, you give up to you know between 60 to 100 units of Botox. Now, I think that I would love the world, everybody to take it up the ass at least once to see how it rolls. What I do at Bespoke Surgical and Future Method is try to empower the bottom to anticipate that the top knows nothing about anal. And so when, because, you know, again, like with app-based meetups and hookups, sometimes you don't know what you're going to get. And you could hope that that guy took it up the ass at some point and understands to go slow and take it easy and work it. But like, for me, let's say I'm meeting a random, I would use a toy before they come over. First off, I think it's good from a habit of like making sure that you're clean. If you are using kind of a douche substance, making sure that all of it is gone and that there's no more liquid inside. Two is allowing things to be predilated so that the muscle and the skin are already relaxed in a good state so that you're able to position yourself better to bring risk down. Also, Pre-lubricating is awesome. I'm a huge proponent of these things called lube shooters. They're basically syringes that you could shove the lube all the way up there. And the reason is, is that anally, it's not self-lubricating, it's not the vagina. And so with that being said, using toys before sex or using it in foreplay, allowing those muscles to finally and skin fully relax, but also allowing 360 degrees of the lubricant now puts you into a good state of, okay, Now I want this person inside me. And you need to set yourself up for success. You could be submissive by still being in control. And I talk about that all the time. A lot of people assume that if you're a bottom, you have to be submissive. And that's bullshit. There's many ways that you can flow. You don't need to be that. Now, with that said, I would say first positions are the bottom is actually sitting on top in control, actually facing the partner or the hookup so that you could read each other in a way of like, oh, shit, that hurts or, oh, I really like that and not be so out there that you're not in control because, you know, a lot of stuff can go wrong. And especially if you're not educated and you don't understand kind of the ways and means of the ass, it can lead to a lot of detriment. And then you won't enjoy all the pleasures that we all love.
1: So I have a question about, you talked about, you mentioned using a toy before a partner comes over and, and kind of relaxing and pre-dilating. How long does that relaxation last though? Because if you use a toy three, four, five hours before you, end, you have sex, is that just to kind of get you into the headspace or relax the muscles, or is it like you're gonna be relaxed all day?
2: That is a long time to plan for sex. Is that what you do for me? Three, that, four that hours. That is or...
1: how long. That is how long <laughs> I'm planning in advance. Psychologically. Yeah, yeah psychologically, <laughs> just get getting into the mood, you know, just showering and yeah. rose petals.
0: I think that it definitely changes per hookup and also depending upon anally how you are. Meaning, I really want people two to three times a week, regardless of them having sex, for them to use toys and dilate and learn really to relax that muscle in a really great space. So I don't have the right answer for you. I mean, I think that a lot of people five to six hours before are still trying in their mind to prepare for that hookup by saying, okay, how am I going to make sure I'm not dirty? How am I going to make sure I smell good? How do I make sure that everything is functioning? And so with that said, muscle is pretty smart. It has a memory of knowing, oh, okay, here I am. I want to be dilated and I want to be. And then the rest of the evening before, you know, you're out for dinner, whatever it is, it's still pretty prime that you're able to get there quicker in terms of being relaxed. And now I also want people to use the toys in a contraction phase, meaning Mm -hmm. let's say you're doing 12 dilating. I do want you at points to actually squeeze on the small toy and hold it there, three, two, one, like doing a Kegel to try for you to understand like, oh, I could actually control that muscle the same way I would kind of reset my back muscles. So I'm I'm making sure that I'm sitting straight up. All of those things you can learn, but you just, we never were taught and you never really tapped into the neural mechanism to truly understand the right way to shit. And the actual right way to have anal sex.
2: You mentioned positions, and people, of course, are very curious about positions. You mentioned that if you're newer to it, you probably want to be on top as the penetrated partner. You want to be looking at your part at whoever you're with so that you can communicate. What are some more advanced positions? Are there positions that help to relax the pelvic floor to facilitate entry and then finally you did mention earlier i think positions in injuries so i'd love to for you to just give us a bit of a rundown
0: yeah i mean i mean i I looked at all those position charts there's like holy god there's so many different kinds (laughs) i think that the key also is like don't always use a toy the same position use the toys in a position that you would see and you'll start to see like oh This one pushes it a little bit too forward. And I feel it, let's say if it's a woman, I feel it kind of more vaginally and, and it, it hurts me versus other positions. The pelvic floor is very, very interesting. You know, you can tweak it in certain ways. And it also depends upon the height of you, the height of your partner or partners. And you start to kind of play a little bit more where each position for you, I may say it's more advanced, but for someone else, they're like, Oh, it slips in right away. And it feels the best. So I think it's thinking now differently of like, okay, where's my pelvic floor? Where's my position? Where's my partner? How big are they? Are they using a toy, a strap on all of those things? Now, obviously doggy style, especially men love that position from a top perspective, right? It's just like what we think of dominance and kind of taking over and control. With that said, there's a lot of room for error in that position and especially depending upon how high or low the penetrated partner is and the positioning of that. Also, you know, in men, the cock is pointing up most of the time. And so depending upon which way the pelvis is, it could start hitting kind of the back wall, front wall and cause more pain. Sometimes people get prostatitis and get a lot of issues from that. So I wish I had more of like each position breakdown, but I think it's more of experimentation also using toys and feeling also choosing partners wisely where you're able to say let's switch this up i don't know why it's just not feeling right or having kind of like a little bit of a play-by-play it doesn't have to be all the time and i don't want you to think of me every time that you're like having sex well what would evan do i think it's when you try a new position you need to be communicative during that, the first session, in order to get yourself into a really great space to minimize risk.
2: I'm really glad you said that because every body is angled differently. Even to say, doggy, what if you're down below? What if you're up high? We always say this with the vaginal canal, right? We have different tilts. If you're using a curved toy or a curved penis, that can make a difference. So people have to kind of tune into their bodies. My trick for relaxation and anal and anything either new or challenging, or that could potentially be painful. Of course, anal sex is not intended to be painful. If you're relaxed, if you're using lube, if you're turned on my, my trick is orgasm. Like if I have an orgasm first, I'll kind of say yes to anything, right? You want me to eat a cheeseburger with my feet? I can do that. You want to have anal? I can do that because it's just this, it's a flood of chemicals in the body. You have all these muscular contractions and I think of it as progressive relaxation right? So, you know, in meditation, you tense up in order to differentiate between that tense feeling and that relaxed feeling. Same thing for orgasm, right? You're having these intense contractions and then it's followed by this deep state of relaxation. I was wondering if for people with penises, because you tend to ejaculate when you orgasm, I know that's not always the case. Do you have clients or patients who practice non-ejaculatory orgasms in order to get themselves into this state?
0: Yes, I see a ton of people. And I think that whether you want to do that or not, the key is at some point to always get off. Now, what happens is, is that You produce, let's say, you know, I'm being penetrated and I decide to keep edging myself and feel all of those endorphins and I'm not getting off. Right. And some people can't get off from bottoming. They do emotionally and they're happy that their partners are doing what they're doing, but they actually a lot of people can't come and ejaculate with somebody inside them. And with that said, though, you really need to make sure at some point that you release all of those prosthetic juices, because what can happen is it gets so big like a balloon, and then it doesn't ever deflate. So what happens over time is you can get a lot of irritation, inflammation. Sometimes people get contraction where the pelvic floor just feels too tight and a lot of that is that 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 this thing called prostatitis so regardless you can definitely edge and keep yourself going and say hey this is what i want to do perfect but at the end of the day or at the end of that session however you need to release yourself you should because if not over time it can become detrimental
2: quickly can you explain to us what prostatitis is how it's caused
0: Sure. So the prostate is a gland that secretes a lot of fluid so that when the sperm is traveling through to head out, it picks up a lot of this fluid so that it can travel easier. With that said, it can produce a lot. So like pre-cum, a lot of pre-cum is prostate juice. It's clear. It's very viscous. If you kind of are using it, you could actually use some of it like lubricant. That itself becomes massive, meaning there's a lot of, and if you think of the sperm, the sperm in an ejaculate is actually not the biggest volume. The actual prostate juices are. And so that mechanism is clearly that you're releasing and that you're having an ejaculatory orgasm. Prostate itself, it produces that fluid. And if you keep hitting it, okay, with a toy or a penis or whatever, and you're being penetrative there, it's gonna keep swelling and swelling and producing more fluid. At some point, you need that to completely go back to its normal size and all that fluid to be gone. And then the mechanism happens again. But if you leave it there, what happens is now it's full of this fluid. The fluid becomes stagnant. It becomes old. Sometimes when people are ejaculating, it's like brownish yellow. That is kind of older fluid that's basically in the prostate. And you need to, even if you don't feel sexy, most guys should be getting off at least two to three times a week, regardless, because you need to move this pump. If you're not moving the pump, it becomes stagnant and stale and and kind of lays there.
2: Okay. And I don't want to overstate, but of course, I've seen these studies that show a positive correlation between multiple ejaculations when you're younger. And I guess I should say a negative correlation, but anyhow, a lower incidence of prostate cancer when you're older. And so you're saying that these ejaculations help with the prostate health?
0: Yes, totally. And the mm. key is, you know, you, if you're holding it in and you're not having sex and you're in a downturn, what's happening is, is that you can develop this inflammation there called prostatitis. And it's painful. Sometimes you need antibiotics. Sometimes it can become so chronic that the prostate doesn't function the right way that it's supposed to. And it becomes this chronic ailment where people are limiting their sex world. It's painful. They have spasms in the pelvic floor. It's just not a fun situation.
2: Okay. And the solution of course, is that you can go jerk yourself off. You don't have to find a partner. You don't have to use this as a way to tell your partner, Hey, I need this. You've got Pamela Anderson right and Paul, we, we need a we need a, a male a gendered what do we have for the for the hand the
1: men brandon I need, to come, up, I need to come up with something all right
2: we'll we'll work on that uh, this is so helpful I really appreciate all of your commentary around communication around the need for lube around the need to for training for both tops and bottoms and how it can take weeks and weeks to use dilators and get used to penetration even though you have these great products from future method you're also saying Folks don't necessarily, not everybody needs them right? Our obsession with being clean is what's in our heads. And of course you're meeting your patients where they are, but we might also want to reconsider whether or not we always need those. And this focus on prep during and follow-up makes so much sense to me. It's not just this thing you do because you saw anal in porn, or you think it's what you should do based on your gender identity or sexual orientation. So this is really, really great. Really appreciate your time, Dr. Goldstein.
0: Yeah. And I just want to say one thing I see a lot of sex experts talk about with toys is putting a toy inside and leaving it in, okay? That does nothing to help the skin and the muscle because what's happening is the skin and the muscle is going around that toy and you're not actually doing what you're intended to do by using the toy in a way that is constantly moving and is constantly opening and closing the muscle and skin. So I tell people, I actually don't love people leaving toys in because what happens is the muscle and the hemorrhoid tissue there, the veins, they start to swell. And then when you try to get the toy out, a lot of people, it causes tears, it causes irritation, and it's, you're not actually trying to do what it's intended to do. So the motion of toys is I'm going in and I'm coming out. I'm constantly pushing so that the muscles are actually opening and then coming back to its state. Opening and coming back. If you put the toys that most people are talking about, the muscle goes around the toy and it stays completely contracted for five, 10, 15 minutes. And that's not actually doing what we're trying to do. So I think, you know, looking on our website at bespokesurgical.com, we have a protocol of different toys and why we like it. Also, it gives you the six week protocol of, hey, this is the right way to start bringing toys into your world. And obviously on the future method side, it's really looking at things scientifically you know, the sex world is not regulated. You need to be very, very careful with what people are saying and doing and really do your homework to say, all right, well, what companies are starting to bring scientific rationale into everything that we're doing? And it's about time that we hold everybody accountable, even the medical space, because they all, you know, there's no sexual education as it relates to being a physician in specific communities. So I applaud you guys too for kind of constantly bringing these topics to light. And so, uh, you know, and thank you for having me.
2: It's our pleasure. So folks can check that out at bespokesurgical.com to learn more about how to actually use these toys. So really appreciate that. Thanks for joining
0: us today. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much.
2: And thank you for tuning in. Be sure to check out our sponsor, femtosee.com and keep your questions coming because next week, We're going to be answering a whole bunch. So wherever you're at, folks, I hope you're having a great one.
0: You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.